Welcome to Our Weird World. I'm your host, John Henson, and this is the season finale, year number three, coming to a close. Does This does not feel like I've been doing this for three years. Uh, just very interesting, but uh, also interesting just to see like how the show has like slightly evolved. You know, first few episodes were only like 10 or 15 minutes. Now I can easily do 30 or 45 uh, you know, there's characters sometimes, there's offensive accents, which is always fun. Um, you know, we're doing the the silly song lyrics at the end of every episode. Uh, just all kinds of fun stuff. And so I'm glad you're here. Uh, glad that you're telling your friends and people about the show. And uh, yeah, just all around looking forward to doing this for at least another three years. Uh, I think, I think that's how far out I've mapped some of these episodes, but, uh, but yeah, uh, wrapping up year number three with some stories around various liquids. Uh, we have three stories here. We're going to look at the Liberty's whiskey fire, the Boston molasses incident. And then our first story after the fun little music is about the Portland rum, riot. In 1851, the state of Maine got really uppity about their morality and enacted the Maine Law, which basically outlawed the production and sale of alcohol in the state except for medicinal or mechanical purposes. And, like, here's the thing. Like, as with a lot of, like, recent marijuana, like, medical marijuana legislation, like, hundreds and thousands of people suddenly came down with all kinds of ailments and diseases that required the soothing burn of whiskey to cure their problems. And like, <clears throat> I get it. Uh, you know, I, you know, I, I don't get the alcohol thing. Like I, alcohol is just like, blech to me. It's, I, you know, none of it tastes good. Like, you know, and, and here's the thing. And, and I've, I've talked about this before, especially with like beer, but like, if you tell me that something is an acquired taste, you're basically acknowledging that you have had to beat your taste buds into submission to just get, just accept it. You know, it's, it's an acquired taste does not mean that it tastes good. An acquired taste just means you've given up on hoping that it would taste good. And now you just consume it because you feel like you have to. And that's where I'm at with alcohol because there's just it's none of it's good none of it's good um anyway back to the story i don't know why i i was going down a tangent and i just don't even remember what it was anyway um you know because people from maine though are are generally pretty affable people I, they're they they don't care they, they just want to be left alone um and also possibly thanks to their chronic alcohol problem that led to the passing of this morality law. Um, <clears throat> you know, the workaround to get, you know, alcohol for medicinal purposes worked well enough. And so people just kind of dealt with it. But 
four years later in May of 19 or uh, sorry, 1855 rumors started circulating that the quote Napoleon of temperance, uh, who was Portland mayor, Neil Dow, uh, was actually hiding a massive stash of booze in various underground storage facilities all over the city. Um, and, like what 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 had really happened like he did like the the portland mayor was stashing tons of liquor all around the city however uh the reason was because he had ordered $1600 worth of medicinal and mechanical alcohol to be distributed to doctors and whoever needs mechanical alcohol around the city i've never even heard of that up until now um no one however bothered to read that detail of it, they just saw. Oh, the mayor is ordering all this alcohol and he's storing it underground. He must be using it for himself. Um, the Irish immigrants in Maine, obviously, it was going to be them, uh, argued that the Maine law was actually a racist attack on their culture because leave it to the Irish to be completely unashamed about their heritage, right? Um, they accused Mayor Dow of being a hypocrite and then used a caveat in the law whereby any three voters could petition a judge to issue a warrant on suspicion of illegal possession. So basically what that means is like there was a provision in this uh, main law where any three people could come together and accuse someone of illegally possessing alcohol. And so it didn't take much for three citizens to petition a judge to, to claim that, you know, they suspected the mayor had illegal possession of alcohol. So on June 2nd, 19, uh, 1855, a sober and irritated crowd gathered outside of a building where some of that alcohol was being stored. By sundown, the crowd had numbered to 200 people and kept growing. And when they realized that police weren't going to come and help them seize and take the allegedly illegally owned liquor from Mayor Dow's storage unit, uh, the crowd, which actually eventually grew to be as many as 3,000 people, started throwing rocks and shoving their way towards the building. Um, <clears throat> police who had gotten there, but the police were not on the the citizen's side, um, they were easily outnumbered. And so Mayor Dow called in the militia. Here in uh, Portland, Maine. I don't know if I mentioned that. I mean, I said it was the Portland rum, right? You could probably put two and two together, but yeah, this is in Portland, Maine. Um, <clears throat> at first, the crowd was politely asked to disperse because usually that 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 works in Maine. You know, they just you know they're not going to cause a stink, but that did not happen, and so the militia actually started firing their guns into the sea of angry people. Uh, John Robbins, who was a ship worker, was actually killed. Seven other people were wounded. Um, despite Mayor Dow receiving heavy criticism for ordering the militia in the first place, it actually ended up working and the crowd went home. However, Dow was later convicted of violating the main law for improperly acquiring the alcohol that he was storing. Uh, and then after continued criticism and unrest, uh, the law was repealed in 1856 because, look, people need their drugs, all right? And if alcohol is going to be the drug that you give them and then you take it away, you, you're going to have some backlash, all right? Um, our next story here, 
On the night of June 18th, 1875, Reed's Malt House and Malone's Bonded Warehouse in the Liberties District of Dublin, Ireland, just burst into flames. No one really knows why, but it did. Um, since the Malt House stored roughly $2,500 worth of malt and the warehouse, uh, the Bonded Warehouse stored nearly $70,000 worth of whiskey, uh, both of which are highly flammable, uh, the buildings were destroyed fairly quickly. The problem, however, uh, is that because of the flammable liquid, the the whiskey, um, you know, they don't they don't just evaporate, right? They don't just it's not like a piece of cotton that just disappears, right? The the liquid, which contains the flammable uh, material, uh, is gonna not do that, especially in Ireland where there's a lot of it. Um, so the heat from the flames in these buildings burst the casks, which obviously ignited and then sent a six inch deep river of liquid fire through the streets of Dublin. Um, like just insane what that might look like. Like I can't even, it just like, obviously you see like a flash flood and you just see the water going through, but then imagine that that's on fire. Like it's crazy. Um, the flames obviously running through the streets brought a large crowd of onlookers out. Most of them, uh, who were probably already drunk, were pretty conflicted at the site. Like on one hand, total devastation that their city and their neighborhood is going up in flames. But on the other hand, a ton of perfectly good whiskey was running freely down the street. Um, you know, albeit it's on fire, but it's just a fun cocktail. At that point, right? Um, this was also made worse by the fact that several people inexplicably tried to pour water on this river of flaming whiskey, which only made things worse because, uh, as we've talked about before, when you throw water on flaming liquid, it just disperses the liquid even more. It doesn't actually put out the flames. It makes it worse, right? Because... The the, the the content that's actually burning is not as concentrated and it can spread out a lot more and cause more damage, catch more things on fire. Um, the, here's the thing, though. The Irish's chronic alcoholism ended up winning out over, I, I don't know, logic and reason. Uh, and several people leaped into the street, filling their hats and boots and anything else they could find that acted as a container for the flaming alcohol. All right. I don't, again, if you're putting a flammable item, like maybe you're putting like a steel bucket, that's fine. But a hat, shoes, like that's all going to catch on fire. Um, as hundreds of people drank the flaming whiskey in the streets, uh, buildings along Mill, R.D. Chamber, and Cork Streets or Cork Streets were completely destroyed by the fire. Um, several animals, such as horses and pigs, which were kept in the lower levels of buildings, uh, escaped from their burning prisons and ran wild through the streets. Um, some pigs, however, and this, I think this is funny to me. It's sad, but it's funny. Uh, several pigs were actually reported running frantically through the streets covered in flames. Hilarious. Like I get it. Sad that they're in pain and suffering, but also a flaming pig just running down the street. Like, how do you process that? 
as someone who is also in the middle of trying to process their entire city being on fire. Like, it's got to feel like one of those weird end of the world scenarios. Um, a dog who was delirious and foaming at the mouth after lapping up a lot of the whiskey on the street, uh, then burst through the home of William air. Uh, the dog crashed into furniture and attacked air who then beat back the dog with an iron bar. The dog then ran up the stairs and jumped from the top floor window, uh, and killed itself on the sidewalk below. Like it's just every, all hell is broken loose here in this story. Uh, in the midst of all of this confusion, one man stepped up to save the day. Robert Ingram, uh, chief officer of the Dublin Fire Brigade, realized that the water was obviously making this fire worse, but he needed to stop the, the flaming Whiskey River from continuing down the street and burning the rest of the city down. Um <clears throat> Although one of Ingram's main duties was to constantly remove horse manure from the streets, Ingram ordered all of the manure that was stored at a nearby depot to be dumped in the path of the flaming river. Um, although this caused the city to smell horrible, right? The fire, the river of fire ended at the massive manure pile, uh, and then the flames ended up burning themselves out, i.e., burning through that manure because manure stinks already, but now you're going to burn it. Gross. Um, in the end, 24 people had to be rushed to the hospital. 13 of them actually died, uh, but none of those died from severe burns or smoke inhalation. The 13 people who died, died from alcohol poisoning. Cause that's how much, that's how much whiskey was flowing through the streets in Dublin, Ireland. And cause you got to remember, I mean this, the warehouse was, um, you know, storing $70,000 worth of whiskey. And that's in 1870s money, right? Like what, what would a bottle of whiskey cost back in back then? Like not even a dollar probably. And so you're looking at more than, you know, se- you know, you're probably looking at, I don't know how many bottles a barrel fills, but I mean, a lot, a lot. All right. A lot is the point that I'm trying to make. This episode sucks. By the way, I feel like this episode sucks, but I'm, I realize I'm also probably being a little harsh on myself. And so I'm not going to re-record it, but I don't know. I'm just, ugh. anyway, that's the end of the story. A giant river of whiskey flowed through Dublin and it was on fire and people died from drinking too much of it. Also probably like not the most, like, like not the cleanest whiskey. Like I realized like the alcohol would like kill some of the impurities that it picked up along the way, but like. No, dude, like 1870s, like there's still probably like raw sewage and stuff flowing through the streets and then the whiskey comes through. So you're eating, you know, you're drinking whiskey that's a on fire, but then also probably tainted with whatever kind of trash and dirt is on the street. So, yeah, of course those people died. But yeah, the the animals on fire that that was fun. The dog, the story of the dog. It's just insane, but whatever. Our final story <clears throat> takes place in 1918 when Arthur Gell, uh, a financial officer with zero experience in construction, was then asked to oversee the construction of a 50-foot-tall molasses storage tank at the Purity Distilling Company in Boston. Gell, uh, uh, who figured that like a thick, gooey liquid, like super thick, gooey liquid was completely harmless and easily containable, altered the building plan 
so that the tank was only half as thick as industry standards required. Um, he also opted to not have the tank tested by first filling it with water to check for any defects or leaks or cracks or anything like that. Instead, the tank was constructed, um, again, half as, you know, not half as thick or not half, but just not as thick. Um, no, yeah, half as thick as industry standard. So it was already pretty thin and then didn't test to make sure that like all of it was sealed. He just filled it to the top with molasses as soon as the construction was finished, which was also a third thing that you're not supposed to do, right? So he's already struck out, right? He's made it too thin for industry standards. He didn't test it to see if it was completely sealed. And then he fills it all the way to the top because you just don't do that. Why? Well, because temperature and stuff, but we'll get to that in a second because that really wasn't even the first problem, right? Uh, not surprisingly, the tank immediately began leaking molasses all over the place. But here's the thing. Rather than at least like haphazardly patch up the tank to cover the leaks, Gel just had the tank painted brown so that no one could see the leaks because obviously mustard or molasses is brown. So you just like, I ah, just paid over it. No one will know. I'm in Boston. People are stupid. I'm kidding. But... <laughs> Also, that's probably what he thought. Um, on January 13th, 1919, uh, a load of warm molasses was added to the tank, which filled it up to capacity. Um, and here's the thing. All right. Science. A little science lesson. Warm molasses is a lot thinner than cold molasses. So the warm liquid uh, would then reduce the overall viscosity of the tank. So the, the molasses in the tank overall got thinner. Um, gel thought that this was a brilliant move, all right? Because he thought, oh, if the molasses is just warm, I can put more molasses into a single tank. I'm a genius. I'm from Boston. And so, <laughs> uh, it's fun just doing that. Um, but here's the thing. As the molasses sat, it began to ferment which then increased the levels of carbon dioxide inside the tank, which in turn increased the pressure. And then um, on the other side of that, it's January in Boston. It's cold. The molasses is cooling down. It's expanding. Um, over the next two days, however, the temperature outside rose from 2 degrees to 41 degrees, which then caused the air inside the tank to expand. And by January 15th, the pressure inside the tank got so high that a manhole cover at the bottom blew off and created a giant crack along the tank wall. And then the growing internal pressure inside the tank caused the crack to grow. And before long, the tank just exploded, right? Because you have, you have two different, really two different kinds of pressure, um, working against each other, right? Like you have the warm molasses first, all right? That's eventually going to cool and expand. But then you also have the the huge swing in air temperature, which caused the air to expand inside the tank. So all of that pressure, obviously it's going to make it explode. So um, the tank exploded, the ground shook, 
at the sound of this. Like, it was like a mini earthquake. Um, the bolts and the rivets popping from their holes sounded like machine guns firing in the distance, which, you know, 1918 in the middle of World War One, probably not a, a welcome sound. Um, there was a deep rumbling growl. Right. And then like that scene from The Shining, just this wall of brown, reddish liquid appeared from around the corner and just began barreling its way kind of towards Boston. Um, the It was a 25 foot tall wave of molasses going as fast as 35 miles per hour which swept entire buildings off their foundations. It tipped railroad cars off their tracks. Um, People who were walking along the streets were obviously very quickly picked up by the waves and pushed down the street like the worst surf adventure of all time. Uh, Others were completely buried beneath the three, three feet of warm, sticky, thick molasses. Cause like, you're not, you're not getting out of that. Right. Like it's like, you know, how, how thick molasses is. If, if it's three feet, you're, you're dead. You're dead. You're not eating your way out of it either. That's gross. Um, by the end of the day, 21 people were dead. Over 150 more were injured. Uh, it took the city of Boston several weeks to clear the molasses from the streets, um, which they then dumped in the harbor, which then took several months for the water in the harbor to return to a normal color. And with that year number three, season number three in the books, um, yeah, I don't know. Sorry if this episode sucked. <laughs> I don't know. I felt, I felt all over the place on that one today, but uh, hopefully it wasn't too bad. I really, I'm a, I am my own biggest critic when it comes to that. But let's recap and see what we learned today. What did we learn? Number one, uh, hey, government, if you're planning on ever repealing alcohol laws ever again, don't. Like, cause people will riot, right? There people love their alcohol and just don't. And, and here's the thing, honestly, how about instead, instead, how about you just legalize marijuana? That would be cool too. Um, number two, uh, Ireland, Dublin, Ireland, uh, whiskey factory caught on fire, sending a six inch river of whiskey through the streets on fire and, uh, No one burned to death, but 13 people died of alcohol poisoning. And then number three, um, listen, if you are ever put in charge of uh, building something, anything, and you have zero experience in construction, just do whatever industry standards say, and you won't end up with a 25-foot wall of molasses barreling towards one of the biggest cities in the country. Next, 
week on Our Weird World. I know we just did one, but screw it. We're doing it again. It's my show. I don't care. Uh, we're going to do the fifth edition of the Serial Killer Sampler. Uh, we're looking at the stories of Gary Ridgway, Donald Henry Gaskins, and Jerry Brudos. And then we're just in to, to year number four. Um, obviously, Serial Killer September. We'll be back the spooky Halloween month uh, coming back. But also, uh, just a lot of like random categories of stories in the next year. I, I mean, we're looking at some cults. We're going to look at some uh, unlucky lottery winners from history, uh, some awful ways to die, some stories from some hijackers, um, looking at uh, just, uh, we're going to have an episode dedicated to food. Uh, <laughs> uh, and we're also going to have a, a two-part series on some stories from Mormons and who oh boy, what a bunch of weirdos those people are. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just uh, wrapping up the year, uh, we're going to do episode 200, uh, which will be another episode fully dedicated to the wild and crazy place that is Florida. Um, we'll do something. Uh, I, I don't I don't know that I'm going to get completely wasted uh, again. That was rough, but we'll do something. We'll do something. Um, yeah, some stories about some Native Americans, uh, some more World War II stories, some more race riots, because I know you guys love that episode so much. Um, and then we'll have an episode dedicated to North Carolina, uh, my home state, the state where this show is produced. I uh, can't believe it will have taken over 200 episodes to even get to that, but that is the case. Uh, so yeah, just a lot going on in year four, just a lot of interesting stuff, uh, to, to share with you. And hopefully you'll continue listening, uh, and, and learn some stuff along the way, but that is going to do it. Thank you so much for continuing to listen. Keep telling all your friends. I mean, look, it's 156 episodes. There's, you can, you can get caught up if you feel like you've come in late, you don't have to. It's not like this is a sequential podcast. Like you know, there's no, every episode stands on its own. But, um, yeah, just, you know, keep telling your friends, thank you for doing that and keep never made it as a wise man. I couldn't cut it as a poor man stealing tired of living like a blind man. I'm sick of sight without a sense of feeling. And this is how you remind me. This is how you remind me of what I really am. This is how you remind me of what I really am. It's not like you to say sorry. I was waiting on a different story. This time I'm mistaken for handing you a heart worth breaking. And I've been wrong. I've been down. Been to the bottom of every bottle. These five words in my head scream, Are we having fun yet? Yeah. 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 No. No. Yeah. 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 No. No. <laughs>